International House of Horrors. Valued guests, and welcome back to the International House of Horrors podcast. Your sanctuary is spooky for all things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and macabre. I am one of your curators here at the house, Joe Merle. And I'm Josh. Happy Halloween, Joe. (laughs) We're a bit late now, but uh, this is the first episode to come out after Halloween. Yes, we are a little (laughs) bit late, um, and I do want to start, well, happy Halloween. We will start off with that. Uh, but I want to also spend a or send a special thank you to Micah for filling in once again. Um, she always shows up, and it seems like you guys have such a good time together. She's probably been on what, like four or five episodes now? I think I, at least four. At yeah, least probably four. five. Yeah. yeah, she's she she's my go-to when you're not here because yeah, she's she's well, she lives in Berlin now, so <laughs> usually she's not even closer than you are. Well, still closer, but not really helpful, right? <laughs> but I I know with Micah. I can, we don't even need to prepare a topic. Uh, just like with you, I I could just sit down and talk for an hour or two about horror without even preparing. Yeah, she um, she's good. She's always done a really good job. And uh, yeah. it, it was a good episode. I enjoyed listening to it. And this idea of her being in this band film class. And we should share with everybody who listens. So I was like, oh, that's, that's a fucking huge jump right there. Is you told me that the next movie they're going to watch is a Serbian film. So they went from Brain Dead, and she said almost no one had seen it or knew what it was, and people were walking out of Brain Dead. I was like, she's going to be the only one left at the end of a Serbian film. There's not going <laughs> yeah. to be anyone left in that room. Probably after the first maybe half an hour before it even gets really bad. Yeah, they they had only one movie between those. Like they they had Brain Dead, then they watched uh, one. I think it's called Berlin 1945 or something like that. I don't even remember the name. That was banned because it was uh, critical of the system of the of the state system uh, at the time. Ah, uh, okay. And so uh, they watched that, and now they're going to a Serbian <laughs> film. Yeah, so it's. It's all kinds of fucked up, and I I can't wait to hear what she tells right. me when she gets uh, from and, the and class on she's, Wednesday. She's seen a Serbian film, right? I don't think she has. Oh, so maybe not, she'll walk out. <laughs> she might. She, she might be one of the people. She she watched she watched slaughtered vomit dolls. She won't walk out. Of oh, that's right. <laughs> Even though film. I think a Serbian <laughs> film is more. Like slaughtered vomit dolls, just trash. You might want to walk out because you're bored. A Serbian <laughs> film, I feel like you'd want to leave for different reasons. She did watch That's Solo true. though. She did, she said she yeah. had watched Solo, so who knows? But we've got a um, we got a super busy day today, so we're gonna we're gonna get started. And for those of you following along with the Twilight Zone, we actually decided to uh, push the Twilight Zone back until next week, and that is primarily because we have a. A huge episode in front of us and a lot to talk about today with the main topic. So we're just going to stick with the main topic today. And it's one that we had talked about like two or three weeks ago. And then I had to take my little short leave there and was gone for a week. We wanted to do it leading up to Halloween. uh, But now we're just doing a little bit after Halloween. But that's okay, too. You know what? Because we're the International House of Horrors. We're going to talk about horror every week. Uh, (laughs) we are not, we are not those individuals who just get excited about horror for the Halloween season. We're excited about it all year long. And you know, it was really funny. I was talking to Shane, um, uh, the day after Halloween on the first, and I was like, I'm so excited to start watching Christmas horror movies. 
It's like a lot of people get excited for Christmas movies in general. I'm like, I can't wait to watch Krampus. And um, uh, what was the one that came out last year that I enjoyed? The uh, uh, all the was it all? Better watch all, out. No, it might have been Better Watch Out. Yeah, was it Better Watch Out? Is that the anthology? I don't even know. I just know that been, a Christmas horror movie came out recently. Yeah, it might have been. No, I don't think it was Better Watch Out. It might have been All the Creatures Were Stirring. Could have been one of them. Uh, but anyways, I'm excited for Christmas horror. So start watching <laughs> some of that. And of course, Black Christmas is a uh, is a must. That's a must. But even that's all year. Yeah, that's, you don't wait no, for it. Yeah, you don't wait for that. That's all year long. <laughs> but today we are going to be talking about probably one of the most iconic horror franchises of all time. I would say arguably with Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween maybe could be thrown into that mix. This one might be, I don't know, I, it's a toss-up between Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. As much as I love Halloween, I know that more people can look at Freddy and say, that's Freddy Krueger. They know, and yeah. you know what, he has a much more distinctive look than Michael Myers to begin with. Uh, and the hockey mask for Jason, but Jason's just been loved for I don't know. I, I would say he probably is the most beloved horror icon that there is out there, barring the you know universal monsters. If you were to say Dracula or Wolfman, but how do you really quantify that? Because they they yeah. they change so much over the years. And so we are going to talk about a Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm very happy Josh did the homework for us today and <laughs> rewatched the. Wait, had you seen it before or no? Uh, the, the documentary. Which one? Uh, Never so, sleep the, again. I. I have I had not seen the documentary. I started it once, but for anyone who doesn't know, it's a documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street, about the whole franchise. It's four hours long, and uh, the first time I started it, I just stopped after an hour because I had something else to do, and then I didn't get back to it. Yeah, it's, and so it's today very I just long. had it run throughout. I just stopped. The, the movie literally ended like ten minutes ago, <laughs> which is awesome. That means it's all fresh, fresh in your mind, and it's one that I have seen, but it's probably been five years or so since I watched it because the runtime is so long. It's not something you can just go back to and, and revisit quickly. Even though if I remember correctly, they spent quite a bit of time on the first movie seemed like the biggest chunk of the documentary, at least well over an hour. Yeah, probably the, the most time they spend on the first movie, but they give like each movie lots of time. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure. I, I, I was really happy that they did because like they, they go in depth on all the movies <laughs> the, the funniest thing is at the um, at the end they're talking about uh, Freddy versus Jason, which we'll get to at some point. Yeah. But um, there's this one stoner character, uh, and they they say like uh, so, some of so the the whole interview is talking heads with all the all the all the people that worked in the movies. Like they they have everyone there, and so uh, they have uh, talking heads, and someone is uh, saying. Um, uh, that that stoner looks very much like uh, Jay from Jay and he Silent does, Bob. Yeah, and then they have Jason Muse sitting in and saying like, <laughs> "I was really glad to be cast." And then he's like, "No, wait, I wasn't cast in this movie." Then he stands up and walks out, which is really funny. And yeah. well, I think he looks so much like him because he's got the hat on and the long kind of blonde hair coming out from under the hat. But as you had mentioned, let's start at the beginning and just uh, power our way through, and the. So the first Nightmare on Elm Street was what, 1984? Am I remembering that I correctly? Have, I, I have it up. It's 1984, exactly. Look at that. I actually know what I'm talking about. And it is very <laughs> rare that you and I sit down and I feel like I have to do zero homework at all. I feel like I could sit and talk about all of these movies in depth 
without needing a rewatch or anything like that, because I've seen them all so many times. But I'm glad that you watched the documentary because you get a lot of the little nuanced stuff. Like, yes, I could talk about the the actual movies themselves, but a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff is great with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, this is written by Wes Craven, directed by Wes Craven. Um, I think most people are familiar with the story. He had seen some guy out his window kind of standing under a streetlight when he was a kid. And then he he kind of hid for a minute. And he's like, oh, when I look back, he'll be gone. And then Wes looked back out the window and that guy was still there. Still standing there, staring up the window, and I if and actually grinning a bit. Yeah, and yeah. That's what really worked for him is that this this guy was actually so you could say evil that he just got joy out of. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He knew he was fucking with this little kid, and so and I think it was the sweater. Like the guy had something with the sweater or something like that. Yeah. He had seen this guy out the window, and then there are a lot of weird. Uh, you know, kind of internet rumor mill type stuff about these type of events actually happening. I know there was one in an Asian country where this kid had said a bunch of times, like, if I go to sleep, I'm going to die. If I go to sleep, I'm going to die. Uh, but for the- And then he went to sleep and right. died. Yeah, that's that's actually what uh, Wes Craven also cited as his influence. Oh, okay, that he so read he that did. in a news article. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, that's what he actually said in the documentary. Yeah, he he read those articles. I'm I don't think he went deeper into it and looked what was actually up there. He just read those articles and thought that's a crazy. That's a terror. That's a terrifying idea, and it really is. Yeah, be, and and because that's the that's the thing about Freddy in in all the movies that uh, with all the others you can just like yeah they they are gonna get you eventually. Because they always get you in, in some way, but you can run, you can get away with Freddy. The only thing to stay away from Freddy is not falling asleep. Right, and everyone has at least once tried not to fall asleep. It's it's hard. That's almost almost as cruel as actually being <laughs> killed in your dream. Right. Yeah. Staying awake. I mean, your body will eventually <laughs> shut down after so many days, like four or five days. People start to suffer really severe hallucinations. And yeah. your your body needs to sleep and it needs to dream whether you remember them or not. You need that that moment of rest. Well, in 1984, so let's see, what were we doing in 1984? We were only, you know, a few years, six years away from Halloween, uh, only four years away from Friday the 13th. So it was kind of the, the start. Well, we had had two Halloweens by this time and maybe a couple Friday the 13th. I, I think we, we would have, I, as far as I remember, they, they pumped a Friday the 13th out every year. Yeah. Well, the so we first, would have been at Friday the first four. eight movies were in that first decade. So you went 1980 and then Jason Takes Manhattan was in 89. So there had to have been at least one year in there somewhere that was missed, but that's neither here nor there. Neither of the... So 84 was the final chapter. Okay, so so that was four. uh, Already. Yeah. Yeah. So that was four. And wow, that's crazy to think they were going so fast (laughs) like that. Um, Yeah. But he comes out in a world full of slashers. We get a new slasher, like you said, Freddy Krueger. Everybody knows who Freddy is. We don't really have to get into much of the backstory. I do like, though, that, you know, all the little production things that went into that first nightmare, because the first nightmare is fucking phenomenal like it's still such an effective movie it works so good and the stuff like i put the two colors next to each other that are the most unpleasant on the eyes (laughs) and if i remember in the documentary the composer was talking about 
I found the these weird scales and these weird note combinations that were really unpleasant to the human ear. I tried to find yeah. find things that were surreal in a way and almost, you know, brought you into a weird dreamlike state, but really, really menacing at the same time. Which is so yeah, cool. And then he played those in like a in, in like he said, Let, let's just play that as a melody and then um, and we also have the, the image that is branded in everyone's brain of the little kids in with the jump ropes. Yeah. One, two, yeah. Freddy's coming for Always you. Always singing the song in every movie. Every movie. In every and movie, yeah. before we get into the actual movie itself, you know, they called A Nightmare on Elm Street for the longest time. Um, Freddy Krueger essentially built New Line Cinemas. Without A Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street, you wouldn't have had all the New Line that came after that. Um, or I heard him say it was the house that Freddy built. Is yeah, yeah. That, that's what they say in the documentary. That's the the last uh, chapter of the documentary. Is the house that Freddy I'm built? I'm surprised yeah. how much I remember about this documentary from not <laughs> seeing it for for. But I was really into it when I watched it. Like I wasn't, yeah, it, I wasn't distracted. I sat down and I really wanted to take it all in. Yeah. When I and I gotta say, even though I just said it's four hours and it is long, it is completely encapturing. You you don't want to stop because it's really interesting and they're talking so much about this franchise. And like I said, they have everyone other than uh, Johnny Depp, like the real big people. They don't have yeah, those. Yeah, I think he was the only was I, if I don't remember right. Was Patricia Arquette in it? She, she wasn't, wasn't in right. it as well. I feel like no. she distanced herself pretty quickly after the third movie and didn't really want to be associated with uh, with the franchise anymore. And I know there's a sequel to the documentary as well. There's a um, yeah, I got this as well. Uh, I am Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Heather Langenkamp um, um sequel. So first movie we've talked about before the plot of the movie, some of our favorite parts of the movie. I have said many times uh, the creepiest thing for me is Freddy running down the alleyway, and I love they said Wes. You know, he said I didn't think that was gonna work. I thought it was gonna look stupid yeah. to have this guy because they had the the arms right and they were rigged up on cables. To where he was yeah. moving, but the arms were kind of rigged up. But I just think it looks so good, the way it's backlit. And you've got Freddy rah, running through. It it works perfectly. And yeah, it it looks goofy. And it probably looked really goofy while shooting it. Because they saw much more than we did. Right. But in the movie, it just works. And then he cuts his own fingers off uh, shortly after. It's uh, great. What, what I've uh, heard in the documentary as well is really funny. The, the guy who made the makeup for Freddy, who made the face... He actually came to the makeup pizza, for the first right? movie with yeah, the pizza. Yeah. yeah, he put like he had he ordered his pizza and had the the, the peppers pepperoni on the pizza and he's oh that's how I'm gonna make the face and that's also like and <laughs> really he, and interesting. And he did a good job with it. And we should note that in all of these movies, except for the remake, it's one of the only franchises where the same actor has played the the lead character the entire time. So with yeah, and actually played him. I think the only thing where it's it comes close is the the Chucky franchise, but there uh, he wasn't as much playing as just doing the voice. Yeah, but that voice. You're right. That voice though is so iconic and associated with Chucky. When they did it differently, yeah. everybody was was weirded out by it. And you yeah. know, I I I can see the differences in the Jasons for sure. It's like, you know, Kane Hodder brought a lot to that character. It's weird to say that he brought a lot to that character, but he did. I, I can always <laughs> tell Hodder's Jason when compared to anybody else. All the Michaels, you could replace them with almost anybody, and I wouldn't know the difference. 
I, they, they replaced him in the movie. Yeah. Like, even in the first movie, there's like three different actors playing Well, Micah. they had no money, and they were just like, we need somebody to fill in for a minute. Hey, put the costume on and go over there in the corner for a little bit. But back to Freddy, the first movie, I mean, I don't know what more to say about the movie outside of, was it last year the that deleted scene surfaced? With, uh, which one? With um, I thought I sent it to you. I hope I'm not ruining this for you because they found this old archive footage that uh, I thought added so much to the movie. I didn't think they'd be able to add anything that I was like, wow, that's cool. But it was that um, Nancy had a brother and her brother was murdered by Kruger. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Yeah, yeah you can find it online. And it's on YouTube. Just look for Nightmare on Elm Street deleted scene. It was natural. Her mom is, that. I think her mom's talking to her down by the the broiler and she tells her that yeah your brother da 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 was killed by this guy i don't know why they cut it out of the movie because i feel like that gave the parents a little bit more motivation to fucking molotov cocktail this guy in a in a (laughs) warehouse but that's the story for anybody listening to us if you're listening to us and haven't seen a nightmare on home street um what are you even doing yeah (laughs) uh, go watch a nightmare on home street i guess you know and it it definitely changed the game of of horror and i think showed that you could do more with a slasher. There were cooler things that you could do with a slasher character. And Wes Craven, one of the greatest ever do it, spawned the franchise, which this is what I really want to get into is all the sequels. Unless you have anything else about the original. Uh, j- just a few things since since you already said that this is the, the franchise, that the, the house that Freddy built, uh, New Line Cinema. Uh, the the producer, Bob Shea, he played the, a big role in all, all the of movies. Them, yeah, he's there in all of yeah. them. Yeah, and he, um, and for the first movie, he actually like, um, um, put a mortgage on his house to finance this movie. Nice. Like, this was, this was his all. If this movie wouldn't have worked, he would have been on bankrupt, probably. Yeah. And also, what totally makes sense, but what I kind of didn't realize at all, uh, Lynn Shay, who's in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and who's one of your favorite actresses, she's uh, the sister of uh, Bob Shay. Is she really? I didn't. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I love Lynn yeah. Shay, man. She's uh, yeah, she plays the the teacher role, which is a yeah, exactly. um, a scene that feels a little bit ripped right from Halloween when you have you know Lori sitting in the classroom and then you've got Nancy in the classroom and they're talking about these. It, it felt very similar, but you know what? High school kids go to high school. It just is what yeah. it is. But yeah, no, but I, I had no idea. Mean, That's yeah. cool. I didn't know. But yeah, Bob yeah. shows up in a lot of the movies. You almost always see he does a little cameo yeah. and he comes in and, yeah, uh, and hangs he, out. He also made some uh, choices for most of the movies, like the ending for the first Nightmare on M Street, the, the ending that everyone hates. That was Bob Shay's idea because he wanted to open it up for a sequel. Oh, I didn't even know people hated that ending. I like that ending. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's... The I I feel like the uh the the woman being pulled the 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 mother being pulled in it looks really oh it's wacky. a doll for sure yeah yeah because it gets sucked in really fast and I don't know if they sped yeah. the film up or what they did with it but yeah she gets <laughs> but I I like the idea of just it it wasn't over the whole sequence with Nancy in the house is some of my favorite stuff when she's that, yeah, that, rigging up the booby that, traps and. And her mom's yeah. a, a drunk. Her mom's got her all locked in there. And, of course, John Saxon is wonderful in this movie. But uh, yeah. I love that stuff with Freddie getting hit with the... Um, what did she have swing down? The the sledgehammer was rigged up. Yeah, the, it was yeah. a big sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah so cool. Also, um, the uh, we got to say, this is the very first movie of Johnny Depp. This is introducing Johnny Depp. Yeah. 
He had not started in any movie at all. He had done 21 and Jump Street, right? Was before this? Was Jump Street before? No, was I think after? that was after. Okay. That was after, yeah. He he. At, at least this was his first movie. I'm, now I'm not sure if he did any shows. I'm going to look real quick but, and I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, and um, that's a trend we see throughout this franchise that they gave lots of um, up-and-coming uh, actors and directors a, a chance. And... Uh, yeah, and uh, um, like in this movie also, uh, uh, Nancy Heather Langenkamp, she hadn't done much else, and this is still her defining role. And this is kind like of said, this is kind of what makes these early horror movies so good is they found good talent to be the leads. They were believable. Like she's so believable as that girl next door character, and I love yeah. her that she's not a typical kind of pushover female character she's very strong in her personality and her will i think it's great i think she's great and we we gotta add that this had this um this uh homage to psycho where we are actually made to believe that tina is our main actress right and then she's killed off very early on same as happens in Scream later on, like they uh, with Drew West Barrymore Graham really like yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Tina lasted a little bit longer than Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore was like six minutes yeah. tops, and you're right, it was his very first thing. No TV, no nothing before that. Okay, and yeah, yeah. you had um, yeah, because Tina, the, all the stuff with Tina and the the goats and all that, and I want you guys to come over and stay the night. And the effects in the movie are just so well done, so well when, done. When, when she is moving through the to the room and to the roof and it's just killed horribly that's oh, yeah and you see so you know up. it looks a little wonky by today's standards when rod has his arm reached out and you can see kind of the the two different exposure lengths but it's still yeah. it, as a kid i was really freaked out by it now we know how they did it but at the time it was so inventive like hey just turn the whole room upside down and then yeah. we'll we'll dump a bunch of blood out of this out of this bed, and then, yeah, her getting all slashed up, which would come back around in New Nightmare. Um, all right, though, we're already 20 minutes in, and we, we haven't even got past the first movie. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, get to the second one. Yeah, because these are the ones I think that not everybody knows quite, maybe doesn't know quite yeah. as much or doesn't spend as much time with, so I want to get your thoughts on a lot of these ones. Yeah, so the, the second one, uh, also known as the gay one. Yes, it was the, <laughs> the homoerotic Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, and... Uh, this is um, this is interesting because right away uh, Wes Craven he was against the sequel he had nothing to do with this it was just uh, um, uh, yeah uh, Bob Shea wanted to do another movie because the first one made lots of money made a ton of money and so yeah and so he got um, he he got new people to do it they wanted a different Freddy. they they thought well it's a guy in a mask we can just get anyone like they did with all the others right. But even just they they so they had uh, they started shooting with an extra as Freddy, and already he moved more like a zombie than he did like Freddy, and so already even though it wasn't the acting as of the voice and what he says, already just the 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 moving alone made Robert England special and uh, so uh, yeah he's that's got already he's got a, such that iconic look and a lot of it came from he even said like that glove was so heavy. That's why I stood like that most of the time with one arm kind of a little bit lower because the glove was super heavy yeah. on my arm. But you're right. He he had this way about him. Almost He was almost like a almost like a snake in a way. Like he was always around the corner and kind of slithery. 
And just, you know, he was part of, in the dream world, he was always part of the environment more than anything yeah. else. You never really knew where he was going to be. Yeah, although in in the second movie, he isn't that much in the dream world. No, really. no, he's he almost mostly all comes the, out. Yeah, he's almost all in the real world. And that's, I think, the biggest the biggest problem with this movie is like this is this is probably the least liked movie of the franchise. I don't know. Other than Five the, is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, but so the the problem people have with this one is, I think, that it's just not a Freddy movie. Yeah. And I think this is actually a really good movie, and I really enjoy it. It's just not a Freddy movie. They they, they should have make made it about another demon that's kind of similar, but he does totally he doesn't follow any of the rules of the first movie. He's a totally different guy. And I, I like, I'm with you in that I really like A Nightmare on Elm Street. I was talking to Shane about it. I was watching it maybe a month or two ago. And um, because I always love the scene where he's, uh, where he's dancing in his room, doing that um, <laughs> really kind of erotic dancing all over his bedroom while he's cleaning. But yeah. she had said the same thing. She's like, I don't really like this one. And we kind of get into some of the reasons why. I always love the dancing. I love the the final sequence at the pool party. I think it's so great when Freddy comes burning through the bushes. It's uh, it's really rad. But you know, you're right. There's nothing because Freddy is inside of him and then works his way yeah. out, which is really strange. But what I love about the second one, I would say more than anything else, is they really did a role reversal as far as your traditional damsel in distress and a male hero savior, where you have the the woman, the strong female lead, who is now having to save the man. Even there is some weird shit though at the like with the gay bar and the coach. Like the coach is really <laughs> weird to both of them. He's like they're yeah. doing their push ups and getting the mud, and I'm gonna watch you shower. And, and it's it's really so funny because everyone and the the, the most fun thing about is in the documentary. Everyone says that, other than the the writer, uh, everyone says that they while shooting, no one thought of this as a game movie. Yeah, but they're all also saying that now it's completely obvious, and they have right. no idea how they could have missed it. <laughs> so it's not like they're saying no, this was not intentional. We don't think that was anything. No, they say this. It it totally feels it's clear like as it day. was, and it's, it's clear as day. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and, exactly what it is, and it's. It's a funny coincidence because the the lead actor uh, Mark Patton, he is openly gay, but he wasn't. Uh, oh, he really? He wasn't he at the time. Yeah, hadn't come out yeah, yet. He hadn't come out yeah. yet at the time. So uh, he he also said that it's it's kind of funny that they cast him as the right. as the lead actor in this uh, in this movie, and uh, it it has some of the, the the best line in the whole movie is. Um, uh, this, uh, when when he says to his uh, when he is about to make out with uh, with uh, the girl Lisa with, uh, Lisa yeah. Kim Myers yeah and then he runs off to his friend and um, and uh, tells his friend there's uh, there's someone uh, uh, wanting to come inside of me yeah and you instead come uh, to sleep with me <laughs> or <laughs> right. something like that and like th these scenes are in the movie and still no one got it and the uh, the the writer of the whole thing is just like he's sitting there in the in in the recording booth and you just see him laughing and saying yeah it was totally planned right the entire time <laughs> he had he had meant for it to happen and it's it's not a bad movie but it's so hard when you're following the original nightmare yeah I think is where it suffered a lot and but I don't know if they were rushed at all if if they needed to get something out quickly it's like hey let's hurry and get this done so we can capitalize on the name. 
as the new, um, because 89 was when five came out. So they put those out pretty quick between. Yeah. This one was 85. Yeah, this one was the next yeah, year. So they all, they all came out really quick. And, um, and I think everyone working on this, like the, the, uh, the director said he didn't really like the first movie, uh, uh, the the writer also said he didn't really like the first movie. Um so Yeah, well uh, those guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh it's it's still it it's got some uh, I really like the whole bus scene where like Freddy's the bus driver yeah. and like Yeah, it's good. I remember when I first watched this movie at a at a movie night. I think it was the same night we watched Scream. So <laughs> it was a it was a great night, but this movie was so much fun. And uh, what what else was I gonna say? Oh yeah, the best scene in the movie is probably when Freddy is bursting out of uh, out of uh, Jesse's uh, stomach. Though that was a good transformation sequence. That, it was real cool. Yeah, that's even though I think they had him, I think effects. they had him backed up against the door or something like that. You know, like they do in a lot of horror movies. Yeah. They'll position a character against a wall because it makes doing the effect so much easier. But it really looks good, like his chest bursting it, open and his stomach everywhere. Yeah, it was and cool. I think that's the that's the great thing about Freddy that we don't get as much with all the others uh with all the other slashers. And that's what they actually also talk about in the documentary a little bit is that they had so much fun with the um with the uh uh dream sequences and the effects because they could do things that you wouldn't do in a normal movie. Like you don't see Jason coming through someone. No. He always tries to do fun kills. But it's always a, a typical kill. It's never like something as absurd as the things that happen in these movies. Somewhat rooted in reality, whereas with a nightmare, yeah. you can go wherever you want. Yeah, exactly. You can truly do anything. So the third movie. Wait, oh, okay, one, one, more one more thing. thing? That I, yeah, that's that's what I wrote to you before we uh, before we recorded while while I was watching the documentary. That's really interesting. Uh, Mark Patton was cast as Jesse. But before him, they had auditions by Brad Pitt for one of his first roles. And um, uh, what was, was it the Christian other one again? Slater? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which would have been and, a very, uh, very different movie. Brad, I could see Brad Pitt doing it. He would have been... Um, yeah. The Christian Slater just feels a little bit too short. I don't know why that matters, but he feels a little bit too short. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, but Brad Pitt, I, I, I got to look up. You can go on with uh, a movie three, but I what, got to look what Brad Pitt was doing at the time. I don't think he was doing because a lot. Was, the first time I remember seeing Brad Pitt was in Thelma and Louise. He was the, yeah, let, let, the cowboy in Thelma and Louise. He might have done some TV. I don't know if he did any soap operas or anything like that. Yeah, he he did. He had his first thing was in No Man's Land in 1987 uh, as a waiter without even a, a credit. His first credited thing was Another World in 196, uh, 1987, yeah. Yeah, so he hadn't done anything um, yet. Yeah, and uh, he had also a role before he was big in uh, Freddy's Nightmares in the in the TV series. Oh, that really? Was, uh, yeah. yeah, I can't get my hands on the TV series. It's available to I, stream. But you can't. I can't find anywhere to actually buy it, like a good quality DVD or even yeah. a VHS set. Because yes, Freddy was huge, man. They did, and I mean, there was a there was a Nightmare on Elm Street series. There was a uh, Friday the Thirteenth series, but that one didn't have to do with Jason. It was more of just weird knickknacky things. I think it was like a weird shop where people would go in, and then there was different stories for all of it. 
And they both had a video game, though, on the NES, on the original Nintendo, which uh, was yeah. super cool. The Nightmare one is hard. They're both hard. All Nintendo games were hard. Nintendo was <laughs> trying true, to screw yeah. us over. So Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Outside of the original, this is my personal favorite in the franchise because there's so many amazing moments in Nightmare 3. It was a return to form for Freddy and for the characters, for the lore of it all. I think after the second one, they said, okay, we got to kind of go back to the original because people weren't impressed with number two. They bring back Heather Langenkamp. She's a little bit older now. She plays a doc. No, was she a doc? She wasn't a doctor. She was some sort of a counselor. She's a psychiatrist. Yeah, a counselor. She was like a counselor, something like that, yeah. And we have a bunch of kids in a mental institution or some kind of a psychiatric hospital who start to suffer nightmares, and we get the same scenario now playing out once again. Bunch of kids getting killed in their dreams, but where this one really excels is the special effects in this are so fucking good. So the good. The dream sequences, the, the, also the, the characters are really good, though, because with this one... It's it's almost cliche uh, the, how much each character has like his one trait. Yeah, but it's it's perfect for this kind of movie. This is almost like a if it wasn't for all the blood and gore, uh, it's almost like a, a kids movie where you have these your leading characters, these uh, very these, rigid uh, archetypes of different characters. Yeah. yeah, and we we get to the institution through Patricia Arquette who is wonderful in this thing and a great opening sequence as well. When she's making the house out of the popsicle sticks and putting it all together, she goes into the bathroom and we realize she's in a a dream sequence. She, Freddie slashes her wrist, but her mom comes in and thinks that she did it. So she commits her to the hospital. And once she gets there, we spend the remainder of the movie in the hospital with all of these kids. It's a very early appearance by Larry Fishburne. They actually had it listed as as Larry Fishburne yeah. in the in the credits. He plays one of the hospital he, orderlies. He also isn't in uh, the documentary, so I totally forgot about him until you just uh, said so. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up again. Uh, Patricia Arquette. It was her first, um, her first, uh, no, her second movie role, her first starring role. So this is another one where it's it was a big actress uh, coming out of this. Yeah, a lot of horror and does that. We've talked about that in the past, and I think we did a whole episode about it, didn't we? Like people who had started in horror and then moved on to bigger things. Maybe we didn't. I feel like we did. Have we or have we just talked about I it? I don't know. I, it's all a blur in my mind, Josh. I I don't know what's <laughs> what anymore. But yes, Patricia Arquette stars in Nightmare 3, and you have that amazing song by Dokken that was on the, yeah. We're the Dream Warriors. So good. Yeah, and the, the, the singer of Dokken says it's way too high. He can't even sing it anymore no, because it he was way high. younger back then. Yeah, it's it's very high. Some of my favorite <laughs> kills in this one, because it's what I've always loved about this, and probably one of my favorite kills in the whole franchise is when he picks up the girl and shoves her head into the television. When <laughs> Welcome to prime time, <laughs> bitch. Right, and it's not even it's not even her going into the TV, it's Freddy's head like pulling up out of the TV yeah. the way it comes out and then you get these weird robot arms that come out of the side. Yeah, Welcome to primetime, bitch! And shoves her head into it. Uh, Joey, was it? No, Joey gets killed by the nurse with the tongue. He's over the bed with all the flames. 
uh, I think he actually doesn't get killed. That happens in the second movie. He's he's one to survive. Oh yeah, Joey but he lives. Is. They they try to save him. That's I think That's their whole right. goal yeah. because he's So which which kid was it that is up on the roof with the marionette strings? I, I don't remember his name. Yeah, yeah I can't but remember. Because there were, the, well, I, the I mean, Joey guy. and Kincaid were the only two that made it to part four. Well, and Alice, but she is played by a different actress in part four. But Joey yeah. and Kincaid actually make it out. But yeah, the guy with the puppets, and he, he, you know, he tells her, they don't let me use knives in that, so I got to do everything out of clay. That whole stop motion sequence with Freddie coming down, cutting himself loose off of the strings. And then growing, you it know, looks so good. he gets big into Freddy. And then the tendons get pulled out of dude's arm and he's being marched around the hospital by giant Freddy in the sky. Who's got these these giant marionette strings, which is just so badass. And then Alice in the the house with the giant worm snake, Freddy, <laughs> that's like lifting <laughs> her up and slamming her on the ground. So great. It's it's so good. Yeah. And uh, here's an, another fact with, with all the people who started in this franchise. Um, the director of this one, Chuck Russell, this was his very first movie. And he followed it up with like uh, The Blob and The Mask. Oh, nice. Like The uh, Mask with Jim Eraser. Carrey? Yeah. yeah. Okay, right on. <laughs> Eraser, The Scorpion King. I wouldn't say he made like great movies after that, but still, this was his career start. Those were all successful movies, though. Eraser, yeah. you put Arnold in anything, it's usually going to return a few dollars, especially at that time. Nowadays, yeah. maybe not quite as much, but at that time, for sure. The Mask, I thought, was really successful. I thought that did a ton of money. Yeah, that was actually also fun, I, I think. Oh, yeah, like, I love I The really Mask. I really enjoyed The Mask. Yeah, <laughs> and that was Jim Carrey in his prime. You know, that was pre-Liar Liar. But post Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, everybody, I mean, everybody was smoking, was quoting that movie <laughs> all over the place. Do, do you know about the mass comics, by the way? Yeah. Just yeah. a short sidetrack, because I've heard those are very different than that movie. Yeah. And like really, I, I, I've only ever seen things on them. I've never read them, but yeah, I am familiar with the, the comic series. But Nightmare yeah. 3 is just, it's it's such a, a great ride. If anyone was to ask me, hey, I've never seen a Freddy Krueger movie, which one should I watch? I would say, of course, watch the first one, then jump right to the third one. Because it's it's so great. So great. Everything and about uh, it. Have you talked already that also John Saxon comes back as well? And his character also has like a, an, an arc where in the first one he was a cop. And now he's like a most drunk. of the time drunk yeah. and he's actually a security guard. Yeah. Because after what's happened in the first movie, he kind of... He yeah, fell off the rails, mind, I guess. which makes sense. So he comes back, and this is our first introduction to Hypnosil, which would be used again throughout the franchise, a dream yeah. suppressant, a pharmaceutical dream suppressant that people can take in order to avoid their dreams. And the third one ends. We think Freddy's dead, but of course he is not. He's going to continue to come back movie after movie until, well... I don't even know. He might come back again. Who knows? He came back on the Goldbergs, but until they did, <laughs> until they did the remake, that was kind of the end of Freddy. But will they do anything more with it? Who knows? But we have a lot of movies in front of us still. And so, as we yeah. had mentioned, Kincaid, Joey, and Alice were the three to make it out of the third Nightmare on Elm Street, which is quite a lot of characters yeah. uh, surviving uh, uh, <laughs> one of those movies, and. As as it as is tradition in in horror movies, uh, those uh, three are killed off right away in the fourth movie. No, Alice doesn't die. Uh, Alice lives. No, Al wait. Yeah, Alice makes it no. through to the fifth movie. 
Uh, no, no, no. That uh, you, you. Oh got no, I got them mixed there. up. Uh, it wasn't Alice. It was. Um, she calls. Uh, was it Tina? One? Not Tina. Uh, yeah. Damn, I've been calling her the wrong. My wife is gonna kill me for this. You best <laughs> believe, Shana. I am so sorry, uh, Kristen. Kristen, I am so sorry, yeah. Shana. I, I, one hundred percent, without a doubt in my mind, because she does listen to us. She was yelling the whole time, like you have no idea what you were talking about, and <laughs> and I think yeah, part Kristen, of that because is, Alice is the one who did. right. She's, she's the first there. one who gets pulled into Kristen's dream because yeah. Shayna, her favorite in the franchise is four. So the dream masters is her, her personal favorite. So she's always talking about Alice. She likes Alice, <laughs> man. I mean, you're going to have to go through an edit and just replace every time that I say Alice, you replace it with a German <laughs> voice that says Kristen, <laughs> you know, a very, very clear, clear dub, <laughs> dub over. Uh, so yes, you're right. Kristen makes it through, but she dies right away. Joey dies right away. Kincaid dies right near the beginning. Kincaid is the first to go because he actually revived, like his dog revives Freddy by peeing on his grave. And his dog's name is, his dog name is Jason, which is so much fun that they threw that (laughs) knot in there. Jason, come on, Jason. Yeah. He ends up at a giant junkyard. The dog pisses fire a hole opens up in the ground. Freddy comes out. Kincaid is now being chased through the junkyard. He drops a car on Freddy and thinks he got him. He, because yeah. That, yeah. that was his thing in the first movie. He's super strong. Yeah. <laughs> He's all excited. Yeah, we got him. We got him. And then, of course, Freddy shows up, guts his ass. And I like the camera shot right there where it pulls out and the whole world is a junkyard. It's just one giant planet full of cars and trash. Yeah. And so uh, in the documentary, uh, Robert England is talking about uh, how he, um, after the third movie, he really enjoyed doing the third movie. But then with the fourth, he was a bit scared that they would ruin Freddy or that it would be become really bad now. But uh, he said he then realized that this is going to be just lots of fun action like, um, uh, what did he say, like an, an MTV uh, movie, basically. And he talked about that scene where the camera then zooms out and it's the whole world is a junkyard. And these kind of things is why he then decided he's still excited about these movies. Which is so cool. And Because without him, yeah. it would have failed miserably. Yeah. Miserably. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the, the, leading, the leading factor for these work. And so the lore but, gets really weird in this movie, though. And so now you have Kristen has the ability to pull people into, which we learned about in the third movie when they were all in the hypnosis session. All of the characters were in a circle and they say, oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. And then pretty soon the little, I don't know what those things are called. The the like five metal balls on strings and you move one and it goes click, click, uh, click, yeah, click. Yeah. In the third I movie. I think it's some machine. Yeah, those yeah, those all start floating around and they're like, whoa, we're all in the dream together. So Kristen has this ability <laughs> to bring them all into one dream. And when we open up in Nightmare 4, she brings Alice into the dream. And then when Kristen dies, she does that thing with like, Alice, I give you my power. And, and <laughs> you know, Alice gets hit by this light. And it, uh, and Kristen was Alice's brother's girlfriend. So they knew each other. They yeah. were friends. And that's how Freddy, we're led to believe, continues to bring victims in. is through this kind of chain of events where one person can bring another person into the dream, essentially bringing Freddie more and more of the Elm Street children. 
Yeah, because they need to know about him to really be afraid of him to be killed by him. I don't know how it exactly works, but yeah, something like that. Uh, another fun fact here is um, that the director of this one, um, his name is uh, Rennie Harlan. Oh, Rennie Harlan's actually, great. Rennie Harlan's done a yeah. ton of good stuff. Yeah, and he is. Um, he started out, uh, he, he's a Finn. And he uh, came to the US, and at the point of Nightmare on Elm Street Four, I think he was he was poor. He, he had nothing. Like he didn't even have m uh, money enough to call his mother uh, in Finland and tell her how he is. And um, he got hired for this movie, and they said like he he would never change his clothes. He was really smelly <laughs> because he had nothing really. Yeah, and. And they uh, and they gave him this job, and this changed his life forever. And then he went on to do Die Hard Two, uh, Cutthroat Island. Didn't he do Cutthroat Island? Uh, I I I don't know for sure, but he made uh, lots of movies. Yeah, yeah, I thought he did a bunch of not great movies, but good movies. Yeah, exactly. In, yeah, he did in, uh, Cliffhanger, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, he did Cutthroat Island, Skip Trace. Uh, what else? Yeah, Deep Blue Sea, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, he's done a lot of cool things. Because I, the only yeah. reason I even remember who you were talking about him is because we had done on those movie guys, Deep Blue Sea was the classic pick of the week. And when I oh, when yeah. I saw his name, I was like, why does that name look familiar? And when I opened it up, but I didn't know that he had done this one. I never paid that close of attention that he had did Nightmare yeah, Four. And it's it's really crazy because like without this movie he might have ended up staying on the street being homeless I don't know what so like once again they really helped uh, someone start his career he hadn't done a movie before that and I guess probably some in fin uh, in Finland but yeah so uh, I think I might even uh, agree with Shayna that this is also my favorite really. Uh, yeah, other than the first one, of course. of course, I'm taking the first one out um, because uh, I think just because of the kills, because I think this is where they just went. There's some good ones to the walls. Crazy. There's some good ones. I and Shayna's least favorite kill is my favorite. I love when we her brother is fighting Invisible Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sequence. I don't I don't even know why I love that sequence. I just think it's so much fun. Him uh, and then the glove you know, flies out of nowhere and good on that kid. You know, the acting that he had to do in that, that sequence kind of throwing himself around acting like he was getting hit was really well done. And the glove just shows up out of nowhere and flies across the room and hits him right in the gut. And that whole sequence was actually, I, I don't fully remember what they said, but it was like, they already had his death scene, uh, his, uh, his uh, funeral scene, but didn't have his death scene yet. Okay. And there was no money left. Oh, and that's, why, that's why they did it. That, that's why he's just fighting air because, yeah, they had no money to do much more. Because there was some good ones. The was Lisa the uh, was Lisa the black woman, the black girl. Was uh, her, let, let me let me see. I think so. Yeah, she's the one uh, you mean who in, is kissed. Yeah, yeah. Let's suck face. Want to suck face? On her paper, <laughs> it starts scratching like blood starts scratching says some dumb shit and then freddy's carving the apple in the front of the classroom which is so cool when he's just yeah. sitting up there doing that and they blame it on an asthma attack because she had an inhaler yeah and then you have the bodybuilder who gets crushed like a cockroach which is super cool when her arms get all ah! <laughs> is then this one or in the next one because i wasn't 
fully sure right now. No, because I, I feel was, like I think, one is in this one. No, I think that's this one. That's this one, and then the the girl um, who's uh, who's being fed to death. That's in the other one. E with all the pizzas and everything. Yeah. Yeah, when Freddy's, let me see if the, because you got Alice, Kristen, Joey, Rick, Dan. So the, the soul pizza is in this movie. That's what I'm looking at. Well, no, because I can't remember because it's at the, these are the two, well, four I've seen a lot. The Dream Child I've seen more or less than any of them. Just because I don't really, I never really liked it. Like there was no part of me that really enjoyed, or no, this one's the pizza. Yeah, you're right. So this one, yeah, but this is also the jock here. Yeah, okay, so uh, yeah, because I think she's the one because she's best friends with, and I, I I really hope I'm not saying her name wrong. She's best friends with the girl who gets killed in the classroom because when they first meet at the beginning, she's like, "Help me with my homework," and those jocks are like, "Hey, I'll give you something to suck on," and she's like, "Hey, needle dick, I bet you're the only guy in this school with penis envy," and she <laughs> um. And yeah, because she even tells Freddie, like, I don't believe in you before she gets crushed like a a cockroach. So I'm going to see if I can find her. And then you've got the pinup girl. So she was the one that kills uh, Joey. And so it's Prook Thais is the, the actress. Is that her name? Oh, yeah. She played yeah, Debbie. Yeah. So, so she was the cockroach. Yeah, that's in this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. So now we we can get back to right. it. Yeah, that scene is that's that scene is just so crazy when her arm like she she you gotta say she not just only gets crushed like a cockroach before that she actually turns into a cockroach. Yeah, she's she's on a flat bench doing bench presses and Freddie shows up, pushes the bar down on top of her and her elbows split wide open, which is so gross. Yeah. Like it was a really good yeah. effect, but man, it's gross. Yeah, and that was actually achieved by that whole body was fake. It was just a head looking out, and the rest was uh, something they yeah. built. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, they did it. That's why they ran out of money to do um, <laughs> yeah. to do the martial arts sequence. You're right. And then in in five, yes, was the feeding at the dinner table. Okay, because that scene is also cool. But yeah, this and and this one. Uh, so is this one the one where they're in a time loop for a little bit? Yes, where they're where, outside, yeah. like, come they're, on, I'll drive. And yeah. because they're trying to get to, whose house were they trying to get to? I, I think to the, the girl who's uh, turning into a cockroach. I think you're right. Yeah, they're trying to get to her house, and then when they show up, the house is all on fire. Her bedroom's on fire. But they do, they get stuck in a time loop in front of the diner, and her and Dan yeah. keep going in circles. And they finally figured it out. It's also such a cool idea for a dream. And uh, yeah, because in, actually, yeah, because in yeah. five was when Dan was on the motorcycle and all the motorcycle parts come out and oh, dig into yeah, his skin. True. That's right. So uh, actually, um, uh, Robert England actually said that this is his uh, the the time loop is his favorite uh, part of Freddy Dream. Really, his favorite Freddy nightmare because it's it's something just so unique you know like just the, uh, not unique but so uh, scary like being stuck in this time loop and it was done so well yeah uh, that he really likes that i guess more than all the other kills <laughs> which is cool i can dig that yeah it's yeah so this movie even though this is where like uh the people started liking it less yeah than uh the other ones i think this is one where they just went really creative and like uh 
uh, Re um, what's his name again? Uh, Renny Harlan, he said that he uh, did most of the uh, the dream sequences were his ideas. Oh, really? Like he he had to come up with somehow some way to kill them, and that was mostly his doing the the exact ideas. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's you know, and it's it's a fun Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I don't dislike anything about it. I think it's it's good. To me, it's just not as good as the 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 third movie. And following the third movie, it's kind of hard to go. But I find it much better than the fifth movie. Yeah, the Dream Child. <laughs> the Dream Child, and the Dream Child is you know we open up in the Dream Child with. And again, I might get some of this stuff, even though I'm getting the main characters' names wrong in the third one. So who knows? Maybe I've been wrong <laughs> about all this. But we get, we open up and they've all graduated or they are graduating from high school. Yeah, I think, yeah, they are graduating. Yeah. Right. And the whole premise of this movie is Freddy is trying to get back into the real world through Alice's unborn child, if I remember right. Yeah, exactly. Like because the child is always, I, I always think dreaming how it works, or yeah, something like you know, that. It's exactly. It's almost always in this kind of dreamy uh, state, so uh, he can actually affect the real world and the people around her through the child's dreams. Right, right. And we did get some good kills in this one. You've got, and and this is the only time we get back to back with the same actress who plays the lead character in four yeah, and five, true. which is interesting because that's the same thing with Halloween. In four and five, we had Danielle Harris was our our lead as Jamie Lloyd in both of those back to back. So Freddie's trying to get back into the real world. The only thing I enjoy about this movie, I shouldn't say the only thing. One of the things I do really enjoy about this movie is the kills. The dinner sequence is so gross. So yeah. gross. It's just disgusting. And she just keeps shoveling food into her face. After the, um, I think that was after Dan. I think Dan was pretty early on with the motorcycle, which was yeah, really cool. The, the ones who come back from the first movie are always a bit early, even though Alice also, I think, survives throughout this one. I don't remember if she lives to the end. It's because she has the child, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, baby's, her, the baby's would... born, but then the baby kills Freddy. They're at the... No, in the fourth one, she has to show him his reflection... And then, but the kid is is around in this one, at the end, Vix. I remember he's a creepy little fucker. Yeah, well, the the kid is always like she meets him in her dreams, and it's this little this little boy. I think his name is Jacob, and he always just appears uh, in her dreams and talks to her. And for the longest time, she doesn't know who that kid is. Maybe thinks. Oh it's yeah, Freddy. you might be right. And then uh, in the end, it turns out, yeah, that was his uh, her child, her yet to be born child appearing in her dreams right and um it's it gets really crazy with this movie let me see and i think this was the one i now i'm not sure if it was this one or the la or the sixth one but for one of them they didn't even have the ending planned until the end like <laughs> that sounds like this they were one. shooting <laughs> i feel like this one they didn't know what they were doing no because i feel like in the sixth one you would have had to have it planned because that whole ending was in 3d yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Then it was this one. Yeah, yeah. So it must have. And it must have been this one. But I know they're in the church, and I think this is the first time we get the lore. No, because even in the third, in the third one, you saw the weird. Um, what was it, Amanda Kruger, in her nun outfit? 
But yeah, and she said they need to uh, to bury the, the bury the remains. bones. But I can't remember but when we get introduced to the idea of the son of a thousand maniacs. Th that's the beginning of this one, where Alice actually plays Amanda Kruger and is actually raped by the thousand maniacs, right. and Freddy is one of them. Right. Okay. Like not Freddy, but uh, Robert Anglin. Yeah, you see his yeah. face in there, but he, and that's how we get that Freddy was born. Is that he? His mother had been trapped in a sanitarium of sorts and raped over and over and over again all weekend long. She got locked in or forgot about and all these people just abused her in the worst way possible. I do like the comic yeah, book sequence in this. The kid the kid who draws the comics. That was, yeah, that was pretty rare. Then we get Super Freddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Super Freddy. So uh, there, there's something interesting here. This movie is directed by Stephen Hopkins. This was also his... No, this was his second movie. He went on. His next movie would be uh, Predator 2. He also did like uh, Lost in Space uh, 24. He did a few episodes. Like he also went on to be a director who did other things. Okay. <laughs> and he he was m mostly working um, uh, with um, with drawings. Like he would do these comic book drawings basically as the storyboard, and they really liked those for their. Uh, because this movie was basically being written as it was <laughs> being shot. Right. They had no idea and what so, they were what yeah. they were doing and when you, they were you doing it. You can feel that, but for the most parts, like he drew the uh the uh, storyboards and like that whole comic sequence also I think kinda came from him. Even the weird box art for this and the uh, Freddy with the big carriage, like the demented carriage with his hand up, like shh doing the, the whisper <laughs> whisper sign. Very yeah. strange. Again, this is my my personal least favorite of the entire franchise. I've just never yeah. never really enjoyed it. There was maybe it is that they didn't know what they were doing or where it was going, so it feels a little bizarre and disjointed. Yeah, it's, it's too the, the other one at least had like a plot that you could follow. I think here it goes so crazy that you don't even really know what's really going on throughout most and of Let's the see. We're going to do a, a one-time thing here. I'm going to try and call my wife upstairs. Let's see if we can get her, <laughs> put her live on the show with us and see if she remembers <laughs> how the, the fifth one ends because I know she's seen... I don't know if she's going to answer me, though. She's probably like, why the hell is he trying to FaceTime me while he's, <laughs> uh, he's recording? And then if she doesn't answer, she's going to listen back to this and be like, oh, shit. If I'd have known, I would have. <laughs> yeah. I would have answered. She's you not going to ask you. You're not going to tell her. You're right. Just gonna, yeah. Just I. I didn't call you. No. Right. Just let it go. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's <laughs> going to look at it like you guys are nuts. Oh uh, yeah. So she's unavailable. So we'll never know how Nightmare on Elm Street five ends. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's like with the with the boy uh, shooting something out of his mouth into Freddy and. Uh, but did the kid have to choose between like good and evil? I feel like there was some kind of moral. Dis oh. I, who knows? Let's just move on. Who knows? Yeah, no one cares about this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and the the next movie also doesn't care about this movie because now we're we're going completely crazy with Freddy's Dead. Yes, and I I like Freddy's Dead. A lot of people don't like Freddy's Dead, <laughs> and I understand. I assure you, I get why you don't like this movie. But personally, I've always enjoyed. The campy nature of it. When I was, I want to say, I don't remember what year the box set came out. The first DVD box set, me and my sister on Christmas Day, my mother had bought me the box set for Christmas and I was so excited. So it had the first seven movies in it. 
and me and my sister sat down in the basement. That's where my bedroom was, was in the basement. And we just sat down there on Christmas Day and watched every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And when we got to this one, we actually put the glasses on and, you know, calibrated the TV so that you got the the 3D effect. It's a ridiculous movie, but I, I still enjoy it so very much. It's... It's completely off the top, but they were just like, I think they even say in the documentary that it was basically, they, they knew this was the last one and they just went all out and just had fun with it, basically. And this was the only one directed by a woman, right? Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to get to. This is the first movie of uh, Rachel Tellerley. And uh, she is, um, th- that's another one of those funny stories where... Um, she was working for New Line Cinema. She was assistant production manager at uh, uh, with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and all the other ones. And so she actually started in New Line Cinema in like an office job and went on to be the first woman to direct a Freddy the 13th movie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Oh, that's cool. And it was and it was her first movie ever, the first movie she directed. And by now she directed 62 movies and TV shows. Oh, wow. Mostly TV shows. Right on, though. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. So and so Freddy's dead. This was supposed to be it was even titled The Final Nightmare. Yeah, and they they had a big like uh um a funeral for Freddy where they all went to the uh to to the to a big funeral where all the people showed up that worked with the movies and like they even like cried at the at the coffin. Boy, so they they so made this weird. big thing out of it. <laughs> so weird. But this <laughs> this movie is so bizarre. We have Springwood, which is now completely abandoned of all children. And if you're going to have two crazy locals who still live there, why not have Tom and Roseanne Arnold? (laughs) Like, oh, kids, kids, we've got these kids. You get some really bizarre sequences of Freddy as the Wicked Witch from... Wizard of Oz? That's, that's I think, my favorite scene in that whole movie, when he's just, like, on a broom, flying by. <laughs> and they even have the music, don't they? I feel like you, yeah, can, probably, yeah, you yeah. can hear the music happening as this kid's in this house that's being spun around. He shows up at Springwood. And now, how does he meet all of the the other people? I'm trying to remember how he gets into contact with the other kids and because you have the one kid with the hearing aid who gets uh blown up that was really really nasty you have the other kid who's the stoner we get the johnny depp cameo who comes back for this one which this is your brain on drugs (laughs) any questions boom wax him and then freddie starts talking to spencer and he's like hey spence something let's space out or some shit and then you get Inagata DeVita, like the first couple bars that Inagata DeVita start playing. And yeah. he gets sucked in, and then he's in a, a video game where yeah. Freddy's playing with the power glove, or maybe not the yeah. Power, yeah, he does end up putting on the power glove after he's playing yeah, with Yeah, and the, he says, I'm playing with power. Yeah. <laughs> after he makes the comment, something along the lines of, whoa, sick graphics, as he's chasing this kid around. He, he's the kid's dad, and he's hitting him with a tennis racket, like, bang, bang, bang. I don't like you. I don't like you. Talking about dads, uh, this one has uh, Freddy's dad, played by Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a really, this, that's probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the franchise. That's really like, come get your medicine. And he's, he's beating him with this almost like, a, I don't think it was a belt. Maybe it was just a belt. I thought it was something split, more like a shillelagh in a way. 
But he's... I can't tell you. Yeah, he's, he's beaten <laughs> yeah. with this thing, and he's like, thank you, sir, may I have another? And he just continues to beat him. And we get these <laughs> weird flashback sequences to Freddy with his own daughter, and his daughter sees yeah. Freddy kill his wife at the time, and you won't tell, will you? I won't tell. I won't tell. They end up going back to the school, finding out throughout the course of this whole thing that it wasn't the kid that was Freddy's kid. It wasn't the boy. It was the woman that's been there the whole time who's been Freddy's, who is Freddy's daughter, his biological yeah. daughter. And then we get the 3D sequence at the end, which is just so great. And it was, you know, this is, it's a love letter to William Castle. Like it was such a silly gimmick because you have, yeah. you have to put on the glasses at the same time she does. And I think, <laughs> I don't remember the logic for her putting on the glasses, um, I think that's, that's the how only she way sees the dream demons. I think so. That's the only way she can see the the dream. I don't. I don't know the nightmare stuff. Uh, it, but you do get some cool 3D things that happen. The early days of um, kind of modern 3D, just really, really silly and stupid, but yeah. fun. I love it. And uh, once again, um, in this movie, uh, we got uh, Brecken Meyer, who uh, went on to be a, a big actor yeah. in the early 2000s. And this was his first feature film. Like before that, he only did TV movies. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Yeah, because he, he played up. the stoner. He was uh, Spencer. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's really crazy how many people got started just in this franchise alone. <laughs> right. That, that went on to do bigger things. And uh, yeah, so uh, that was the sixth movie. Do you have anything else? Because I... I gotta say, with this one, I remember him being a witch. I remember the the scene with the uh, with the hearing aid where he actually like makes his he makes head his explode, head explode basically. yeah. And um, I remember the the dream things flying through the air at the end. I don't remember how Freddy dies in this one. She blows him up. She she kicks a bunch of she kicks his ass for a while. Or no, she <laughs> throws all. <laughs> that's right. She. He's against a wall somewhere, and she throws a bunch of knives and throwing stars and pins him to the wall, and he's stuck <laughs> to the wall, and then she shoves dynamite in him, and I want to say she like gives him a kiss or says happy Father's Day or some shit like that, lights the dynamite, he blows up, and when his head explodes, it moves forward towards the screen, and the mouth opens, and a bunch of other heads keep coming out of it. And then you have those three little flying demon things like me, 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 all flying around at the end of it. And then she takes the glasses off and it's over. And and says, Freddy's dead, baby. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. because she she's on one side of a locked fence and whoever she's with slides her a bar or something like that. And she starts to kick Freddy's ass. And that's when she hits him with all the knives and throwing stars, sticks him to the wall and blows Freddy up. And then Freddy is dead until... The seventh movie comes out. Which was, you got to say, which was five years later, I think. Yeah, it was quite a few years like, later. Yeah, so they actually took some time and uh, they, they they said Freddy's dead. We're not going to make any other movies unless Wes Craven comes back. Right. And Wes Craven decided, yes, but I'm going to do something completely different. Well, not completely different, but... I would say it's very, different. very different than anything we had seen up to that point. This is more of a fairy tale than anything else and it plays on so many different i like new nightmare a lot i thought he did new nightmare is great he did the best he could have done with new nightmare <coughs> excuse me 
for anyone who's unfamiliar, it's a very meta movie. You have all of the actors who played the characters. You had the directors. You had uh, Bob Shea was in there as well. All playing themselves. All playing themselves and then also playing their characters, a lot of them playing the characters from the movies as well. And it's one that you have to watch a couple of times, I feel, to even truly understand what's going on. To fully follow along, yeah, because there's there's some things that just, like, uh, it gets really confusing when uh, uh, um, uh, John Saxon comes back, and at one point he suddenly starts calling uh, her starts Nancy. Calling, uh, uh, Heather a uh, Nancy again. Yeah. And then it, it gets really confusing. Uh, also, I don't know if you realized, but the kid uh, who plays her kid, yeah, he's Pet uh, Michael Cemetery. Hughes, yeah, yeah, he's Creed from Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah. he, um, uh, Gage. Yeah, he was good. Gage is his name. And this is one of my actual favorite nightmare images. Comes from this movie, and it's when they're doing the talk show, and Freddie comes out, and all you can see is his silhouette waving his hands back and forth, and all the light is cutting through in between his fingers like, ha ha, you're all my children, da 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 whatever he's saying. I love that. Yeah. That visually, that's just such a powerful image. And yeah, it, 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 this movie, I love the design of Freddy. I like that they went with a bit of a redesign because this isn't the same Freddy. They differentiated between the Freddy in the movies and the Freddy that was starting to manifest in our reality. Yeah, because the Freddy who was starting to manifest, that's that's the actual demon right. that... Uh, Wes Craven was scared of, and uh, Wes Craven banned this demon by writing him into movies. Right. And then uh, when they stopped making movies, he kind of got stronger again. Yeah, he started to find his way. So this is Wes's answer to that is to, and he even writes in the script that Heather's reading in the movie, I thanks for playing Nancy one more time, or something along those lines. And we even get a, yeah, an actual demon Freddy right at the end when they're in the the hell landscape where he's yeah, all red really, with the horns and everything. Yeah, and it it gets really much like um uh, like Hansel and Gretel where they they put him in the oven and kill him in the fire. Yeah, and they, uh, they he even leaves a trail of crumbs for her to follow under the yeah. under the or no, it was like a trail of pills, like sleeping yeah, pills. It, it was some trail. Yeah, she's yeah. eating the sleeping pills to put her to sleep, uh, and then she yeah, exactly. She makes and, her way through. Uh, yeah, this, this Freddy is much more evil again, menacing and not as joking. Yeah, I don't um, think he jokes at all through any of it. Yeah, well, he he's still there. There's still like kind of like these funnier kills. And he I think he makes one or two of the quips that we get in the first movie. Not as much. Right, right. Not as goofy, later on. like playing video games with kids yeah. trapped in them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um also, in this one, we get to see, like, because that was a question that many people, I guess, had after the first movie is, what actually happened to Tina? Because that's the one kill that we don't see from inside the dream, but from the outside. And it's just, like, Tina flying through the air and going to the wall and everything. And then um, in The New Nightmare, we actually see that a very similar scene in the hospital... Mm-hmm. But with uh, we see Freddy, and he's actually just walking across the walls and pulling her down, chasing her, her yeah. that way. It's almost yeah. a cat and mouse game. He's playing with her, almost <laughs> yeah. playing with his food. And then he yeah, picks exactly. up Dylan and pr- puts Dylan in the middle of the highway to where Dylan, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dylan's just out there with all these cars racing by. Some really great kills. I love the stuff of Heather's husband in the truck 
when the the glove comes up. You know, a lot of nods to the first movie. Just like when Heather, yeah. when Nancy first had the glove in the bathtub, we get her husband now, the, the glove in the truck comes up the same way. He gets mutilated. And then throughout the course of this thing, it's reality bending in so many ways as this demon is trying to kind of become more and more powerful, especially with Robert Unglund, where he's doing these paintings. He's like, I keep having this vision. And you see Robert Unglund painting this really crazy Freddy Krueger type image, but not really Freddy, not the way that we traditionally think of Freddy. Yeah, it's so good. And at the um, at the funeral of her husband, Oh, that's something we haven't even talked about that I think is also not really mentioned in the um, documentary, but every uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie has a funeral scene. And that's like something special because they wanted to show that the death actually means something. Oh, right on. Um, because that that's something we get in every of the movies very early on is a funeral scene of one of the characters that was killed. That it wasn't just like in... Uh, the Friday the 13th movies where it's just always like, you know, that there's 20 teens and at the end there's only one and that's the end. No, here like the first kid dies and then there's the funeral where everyone goes there. Oh, hang on. And I, I'm sorry. Shane is FaceTiming us back. So just, okay. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. You are on the International House of Horrors podcast. You, <laughs> okay. you, you can say hi, Josh. Josh can hear you. We have a question. We have a question though. We couldn't remember. How did Dream Child end? How did they kill Freddy at the end of Dream Child? Do you remember? Dream Child. Yeah, so part five. The Is one after. She showed him his reflection in the. No, see, I thought that was four. And she had to show him. See, nobody knows. See, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know there was the kid, and I feel like they were in the church again, but. Yeah, we, they were we, in like, this church with all the nuns and all that. Like all the. The ghost nuns. Oh, maybe the ghost nuns killed him. Maybe. Okay. Well, you're not you're not super helpful, but thanks. <laughs> yes, for anyone listening, this is my beautiful wife Shana. So thanks for being on the show. We yeah, thought no you thought we thought you might be able to give us the answer, but that's okay. We now realize that nobody remembers that movie, and that's okay. All right. Okay. Bye. <laughs> there she was. I um, so okay. The, this was the first time someone called in into our show. <laughs> called me from upstairs, upstairs in my house, <laughs> <laughs> from in the same house. Yeah. Yes. The um, so no, that's a that's a really good takeaway though that I've never spent any time thinking about that they did. They always had the funerals. You're always at a yeah, funeral in, in these movies. Each of the movies, there's at least one funeral scene, and especially in this one at the funeral because he was uh, the. The character in the movie was a special effects guy who worked on all the Freddy movies. And so from that scene alone, we get like lots of basically not even more than a cameo of like people who were in earlier movies who are just like at the at the um, funeral, like Tuesday night is there. And oh, uh, that's cool. That's real. Yeah, cool. So there's that that's also a good idea. I think like they, they really brought in everyone they could get in some way, which is great because it was it was so good to see them bring the franchise back to something better. Even though I really like six, I know that wasn't the best way to finish out the franchise. I'm, I'm well aware, well aware that like, that wasn't the best way. 
we like six, but we both know it's not a good movie. Right, right, yeah. It's it's lots of fun, but it's not a good movie. No. Um, that's the and and there's so many other things I really enjoy about Seven. I like the way it all wraps up with them getting the script when Nancy gets the script at the end with the little note in it from Wes. I thought that was really cool. And I did want to share with you, I don't know if you've seen this or not. I saw it for the first time maybe a week ago. There is a fan film being made right now called Dylan's New Nightmare. And it's the same actor. It's the same guy is reprising his role as as yeah. Dylan. Yeah. So maybe when you're done, there's a little teaser trailer online for it. It you know it's a I, fan film, so don't expect a huge budget or anything like that. But they they're kind of panning around the room, and you see that dinosaur that he had with the the claw marks in it. You remember he'd put it at yeah. the end of his bed yeah. to protect him but, at night from Freddy. He actually says in the documentary that he still has that uh, that dinosaur, so it's probably the actual. Prop oh, that's from the cool. Movie. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and you know what? I would have um, kept it too if I was in that movie. I'd be like, I'm never getting rid of this thing. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. So it's since it's a fan film, is Robert England in it? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so because I believe you hear somebody talking like Freddie, and it does not sound like Robert England at yeah. all. Be- because I feel like. They could get him because uh, I think he's on the one hand he's up for that kind of stuff, and also he is still not a, like a, uh, he doesn't coast that much. I think he's in lots of indie. Uh, well, he does. Projects a, he does and, a lot of comic conventions and things like that. Yeah, he is Freddie, and who knows how much he got on the back end. You know, you don't, you never know how much money he gets from the licensing, the merchandising, which is tough. You think about all them Star Wars cats who never got any of the money for the action figures. It's like, can you imagine? Or even the biggest one that always gets me is Napoleon Dynamite. I know that he only made like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for the movie with none of the licensing, which is crazy (laughs) because for how many years was that shit everywhere? You know, T-shirts, you see your own face everywhere and you don't get any any cut of that. And I don't know how much Ungland gets or had got. I hope he would have reworked his contract by the seventh movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so too, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll do this, but I want a little bit more money for it. As I mentioned, though, he did show up on the sitcom. I think it was last year, the Halloween episode of the Goldbergs. He put on the full makeup and everything, so it was cool to see him back back doing that. after... After Halloween 2018, he said he would be up for another Halloween movie. Oh, of course. Uh, Nightmare on M Street movie. After that, I mean, as much money as that movie made, he was like, okay, yeah, let's let's do it again. And because he knows now he could demand the money for it, especially if they're going to see a return like that, which I did, this is completely off topic, but I did just see that thing that Jamie Lee Curtis posted on Halloween. Did you see that from the set of Halloween no. Kills? Oh, looks no. good. There's this little teaser out there. Has me so excited <laughs> for that movie. But she's on a stretcher, all bandaged up and beat up everywhere, and she just looks at the camera and says, Happy Halloween. It's like, yes, <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, that's um, gonna all be right, awesome. so But we're not through. Right, right. We're not <laughs> done yet. We've still got more. Wait, wait, there's more. Uh, yeah, because this wasn't uh, like so far we haven't even talked about the uh, I think to this day, most successful movie with featuring Freddy. I'm saying featuring Freddy because this is not a Nightmare on End Street movie. Right. It's the, yeah, the most successful of them all from 2003. Uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Where and we so just go all in. We have to mention, though, that as a kid, when I saw Jason Goes to Hell, 
at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. So this was when <laughs> New Line took over for Friday the 13th. At the very end, you see Jason's mask in the dust, and then Freddy's glove comes up, grabs the mask, and pulls it down. I don't remember what year Jason Goes to Hell was, but I know it was a long, long time before Freddy versus Jason came out. And as a horror fan, everyone was chomping at the bit. I mean, give us this movie. You teased us this movie. Give us this movie. Give us this movie. We finally get Freddy versus Jason. I personally really like Freddy versus Jason. I think me too. for what they had to work with, the idea of bringing these two franchises together, I knew going into it, it's going to have to be some kind of bizarre concept because how do you bring these two things together without it being weird? There- Although I got to say this, I think this all makes a lot of sense. Like the, 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 the idea we get before that Freddy kind of loses his power when kids are not afraid of him or when they don't even know about him. And okay. How does he get to Jason? I don't know, but the idea of, okay, let's have another killer in uh, well, his Springwood, yeah, Springwood. Uh, you're right. His yeah, his idea though was that he's gonna start. He's gonna get Jason to start killing things. Then people will start to remember him as a mass murderer and bring him back some of his power. They'll start to yeah, dig exactly. because the parents of Springwood over the course of all this time, the only people who remember Freddy, they've locked him up and they feed him hypnosil and keep them away from everyone else so they can't talk about it. They can't talk about the nightmares. And even while they're in the hospital, they say, when's the last time you had a dream? And he's like, well, I don't know. I I can't remember the last time I dreamt anything. So Freddy goes into Jason's dreams uh, in the disguise of Jason's mother. And he's like, Jason, I need you to wake up. I need you to start killing for me again. I need you to do this. And then we see the transformation like, you know, turns into Freddy real quick. I'll let Jason have some fun while they become afraid of me again. And there are some fucking awesome Jason kills in this, though. There's some good Freddy kills, but Jason at the beginning when he folds that kid in half on that bed, after he stabs him with the machete all them times and then folds the bed completely in half. So good. So um, I think um, if I got this correctly, uh, according to the documentary, Freddy actually only has one kill in this movie. Yeah, I think Jason is the majority of them. Yeah, because the, the, the... Best part is when there's this uh, party in the in the cornfield. Oh, the rave, yeah, and yeah, the rave, and uh, 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 Freddy is about to kill someone, and then they just suddenly die because Jason just stabbed them with his machete, and now uh, 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 Freddy. Uh, that's when Freddy goes after Jason. Jason had <laughs> yeah. Jason's at the rave in the cornfield. Freddy's got this girl in her inner nightmare. She's passed out drunk. She runs in the dream sequence. She runs and hides in a locker and she's hiding. She's hiding away from Freddy. And right as Freddy opens the locker, goes to kill her. All of a sudden blood just sprays out of her everywhere all over Freddy because Jason had stabbed through. There was this kid, which is really gross, was trying to sexually assault this girl while she's passed out. And Jason stabs through both of them. But I actually love that sequence in the cornfield when the kids are talking to Jason and they're like, um, I, I forget what they say about him. So, they say something, but he launches one of them way the fuck through the air, like stabs him and <laughs> throws him through the air through this cornfield. That whole movie is just so much fun. And uh, what what they talked about in the documentary is that actually they, uh, this is probably the longest going script uh, that movie that's been waiting to be made 
in all of Hollywood. Yeah. Because uh, Robert said it uh, pretty good in the documentary. He said um, the idea of Freddy vs. Jason was born right after the first movie uh, uh, came out and one of the kids came uh, came to me and who's better, Freddy or Jason? Yeah. Uh, who would win? And so, and, and so there have been talks about doing this since the first Nightmare well, on Elm Street movie. I mean, that's the schoolyard talk. You know, that's it, yeah. it, it. We're not even isolating this just to Freddy versus Jason. You could say Batman versus Spider Man or Batman versus Moon Knight. There's always kids, whoever your favorite is, you'll always pit them against the other one. Well, who would win in this fight? You know, so we finally got to see that play out. And I get what they were doing by hiring an action director to helm this thing. But at the same time, you get some weird stuff with Freddy almost knowing martial arts when he's. He's fighting Jason, but once Jason gets the upper hand and he shoves Freddy out that window and just runs him down that building, knocking down all the supports, so good. Just so badass. Yeah. And even when, what's her face from uh, Destiny's Child, Kelly, I can't think uh, of her last Rowland. Yeah. When she's talking to Freddy and you're not even scary, you're not even scary, you got little butter knife fingers, and Freddy just points behind her. She backs up <laughs> into Jason. And and the Jason design in that one's really good. I know I feel like I'm talking so much about Jason, but you know what? Jason's really good in this movie. Yeah, and he he really is. Like they, I I think what they managed to do really well is actually pit them off against each other and have them both have their high points and their low points and have an actual fight because that that's the question we were all asking. And it's not like with uh, some of these versus movies where. It happens at the very end. No, they fight basically half the movie is those two fighting, right. and they just go all out. Like when they when he uh, when Freddy cuts off the um, the bottles of uh, I don't know what it was something with filled with air, and they fly towards Jason yeah. and actually pull him into the air. And that's where you get the action. You can see the action director in it. And even when Freddy comes up out of the water, was he coming out of the water? But you get that really cool shot of Jason standing there, and Freddy's probably fifteen feet up in the air. Where he's like way high, and we do get kind of a nightmare Freddy in this one too. You get the the demon type face in this mm -hmm. one as well. But I, I enjoy Freddy versus Jason. I think it's it's fun. It's it's, it's exactly it's just what lots of fun. You, and like so, uh, they they actually said there were like seventeen different scripts with all kind of crazy ideas. And the two who actually uh, ended up writing this, um, Damien Shannon and Mark Swift, they actually um, decided. They want to keep from both character what's uh, they, they want to keep their law because there was lots of I think something that was really um, well liked was uh, that there may might have been a Freddy cult of like these people who who are all real fans of Freddy Krueger and wear the, the striped sweaters and have this cult and try to raise him again. Okay, and th that was the idea that was being talked about, but in the end they decided to just. Go with uh, the character's roots, and uh, yeah, it also made sense that they had uh, Freddy in the uh, 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 Freddy is his weakness is fire because he died in fire, and Jason's weakness is water, which I never understood. So Shane and I were watching her favorite Friday the Thirteenth is Jason Takes Manhattan. Which is, <laughs> to me, it's a fucking silly, ridiculous movie. I still like it. I think there's some great moments in it. But for her, a lot of it is that's the one she grew up on, that she had a VHS yeah. tape of, so would watch it over and over and over. 
But you watch all the Friday the 13th leading up to that. Jason will just walk straight into the lake and pull somebody <laughs> down or get into a boat. And then all of a sudden he's terrified of water. I, You know, where did the fear of water all of a sudden start to manifest itself? I have no idea. Well, in this one, he almost drowned. <laughs> yeah, but he can't. Can he drown? Can Jason drown? I don't think he can. I, I don't Anyway. But yes, you do have the the fear of water yeah, thing. But yeah, I think how it makes sense is that uh, Freddy went into his dream, actually brought him back to being the child that actually drowned. But no, what I and was trying way, to get at is even in Jason Takes Manhattan, he was afraid of water. He was. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get at the end of it where he's um, there's like the wall of water, and then even him coming out of the the mirror, she starts seeing weird images. Like Jason still has this mental thing where he's terrified of drowning. She sees the little boy when she falls off the yacht, and he's pulling at her legs trying to get her down. Oh yeah, so that's don't. right. <laughs> and I did. I want to mention real quick just why I'm looking at it. I think why they might have chosen him is because Ronnie Yu, who directed this, also directed Bride of Chucky in '98. <laughs> so he did action, but uh, he did a ton of action. But then also did uh, Bride of Chucky as well. Yeah, and uh, th there's another thing that they talked about in the uh, in the documentary is that he actually. Um, didn't even want to uh, do this movie because he said, I don't like either of these characters yeah. very much. But uh, uh, Bob Shaw actually said, uh, Bob Shea actually said, uh, that's uh, that, that's uh, great, that's perfect uh, because we want you to bring something new to it. Which was, I mean, for the most part, that's a good approach because this isn't a direct sequel. He's not going to ruin the lore of yeah. you know these are both well established franchises by this time the last and, jason and both we of had these franchise already ruined their own right lore. yeah even though i love <laughs> space jason i don't care what anybody says i love space jason um and it was then after this that michael bay with what is it platinum dunes i think is michael bay's production company decided to start revamping old horror franchises and so i think the first we got was texas chainsaw I think so, too. That was in 2003, I think. So this would have been around the same time? That It sounds about yeah. right. I mean, it doesn't matter. The years don't matter. We got Texas Chainsaw. Then we got a Friday the 13th in 2009. And then we got A Nightmare on Elm Street, the reboot in whatever year that came out. I know it was after... 2010. 2010. Okay, so it was after that. I know you really like the Texas Chainsaw reboot. I do not really dislike that movie. I don't have a ton of love for it, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I think for what they were trying to do, it was fine. And I think without Arlie Ermey, it wouldn't have been as enjoyable because he's just so yeah. good in that. He's he's so terrifying in that movie. The Friday the 13th, I really enjoy the opening sequence. I thought they nailed that with the kids looking for the weed, everybody camping, but then the movie kind of falls off. A Nightmare on Elm Street comes... I think A Nightmare on Elm Street reboot is a good movie. I think where it suffers is, and Jackie Earl Haley did a good job, the best he could, but you can't have A Nightmare on Elm Street without Robert Unglund. It just doesn't work. It's just not there. I, I, so I, I just watched this this morning again because I, I watched it uh, years ago. I didn't remember anything about it, so I just watched it uh, this morning before I started the whole uh, 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 documentary and um, I think my biggest problem isn't even um, uh, Jackie Earl Haley 
uh, I think the the biggest problem is um, that they didn't change much of the story. They made the same movie again, yeah, but looking worse because they used so much CGI that was really bad. Like I actually made a, made a gif of the of the scene where uh, where Freddy comes through the wall over her bed, and it looks really shit. I know it why wouldn't why wouldn't you have done it with the sheet? I mean the sheet. Yeah, because that looks so perfect. Good. Yeah, the sheet looks so good. And that that's the biggest problem for me. I think is that all throughout it's it's the exact same plot. They they try to change it. They have in, instead of having the the main girl being called Tina. She's now called Chris, but in the end, it's still the girl that dies the exact same. Well, not even the same way. That's another one. Yeah, she doesn't die exactly. See, and I thought they did a good job with the story of kind of manipulating it and keeping you guessing about whether Freddy really did it or not. I thought that element was cool. I liked that. That, that was a good idea, but that doesn't that didn't save but, the movie for but me because to, you know I had mentioned not long ago that I had recently read Michael Caine's book blow the bloody doors off with for anybody who likes movies it's it's just a great book to begin with but he had said in there he's like you don't ever remake a good movie remake a bad movie and make it better but you can't remake a good movie because people it will never live up to the standard it'll never yeah, get and there that, that's the problem if, if they went with another story like they could have i mean they, they haven't credited wes craven for the story they have credited Wes craven for the characters but it's a completely new story, they say, even though at least 70 to 80 percent is the same. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a completely kills. new story, but I didn't I didn't mind the movie after rewatching it. When I first saw it, I did not like it at all. But I think that was the fanboy in me that was like, fuck <laughs> you. Don't try and remake my Nightmare on Elm Street. I rewatched it and I was like, you know what? That added some cool things to the plot. I like the misdirection of it all. I did like the dream sequence in the diner. I thought that looked really good. It, it was, that was well yeah, done. It was, yeah, that was very well done. But for me, it was always Jackie Earl Haley is, he talks like this. And not, he didn't have that, I don't know. He just wasn't Freddy. Yeah, he wasn't Freddy. I, I thought he even kind of worked. But my problem was that also with his face, it just looked too much like CGI. Yeah. Even though Freddy's face looked not completely real. It was it still tangible. Sometimes. You could tell that it existed yeah. in a real space. Right. Yeah. And with him, it, it was all like, yeah, like like a Toy Story. And, and it almost looked, movies. I feel like, to be honest, though, Jack Earl Haley is probably what a real burn victim might look like. like. The skin is really tight from trying to heal and them doing skin grafts and things like that. But that's not. Freddy, Freddy's a monster. He's, you know, disfigured like a pizza. He looks like a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> yeah, but also, uh, yeah, his, his face is just, um, uh, uh, it, it, it still doesn't look like a real person, even though they, they do burn, like they could have made him like, um, uh, the guy in Hannibal. Uh, oh, um, yeah. He was so they could have gross. done it like that, and that would have been fine, or even more disgusting, maybe. That dude and all his pigs. <laughs> so yeah. gross. But but with with Jackie or Haley, they just had so many so much CGI in there that just looked bad. I, I would that, agree with that. That was my biggest problem with the movie. I, I, I did think. I did feel that they did a good job with making him creepy, like as the pedophile child killer. The fact that yeah. he went back to her and was like, we finally get to finish playing our game. 
you know, and he's like messing with her. Super gross, super uncomfortable. Yeah, and I, it, it's he he has this humor that I like the most about Freddy's when he's just like a real fucking asshole. Like I think my favorite line from him that makes him just like the worst being ever is when is uh, when she uh, says to him "fuck you" and he says uh, "we can do that later." Right. Uh, uh, that sounds that sounds really good, but let's do that later. And that's just so disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And it really is. And it's not a movie that I will go back. I watched it maybe six, seven months ago, just because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I'm one of those. I'll go back to something even if I didn't like it. Revisit it, see if maybe my opinion has changed, or maybe I looking at it through a different lens. But I've seen the original seven. I mean, the first one, I can't tell you how many times. The third one, I don't know how many times. The original seven, though, for all of the other ones, probably 15-plus times a piece. Easily. I love the character of Freddy. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. But with that one, I, I'll maybe watch it again in five years. It's it's never something where I feel a strong pull or desire to go back and watch. There's just nothing. That's how yet. I feel as well, yeah. There's really not a whole lot there for me, but I won't completely shit on it and say it was just awful from start to finish because it wasn't Robert Unglin. I think there it had a couple of merits here and there, but for the most part, no, it's worth the pass. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that's it for the franchise so far. Who knows what's going to happen what next? What the future I holds? Mean, with now, I mean, if I got it correctly, Platinum Dunes has the rights to all the movies. I wonder when we get the the cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, what, that would be. But like, what would you even like, call it? What would you call the cinematic universe? Let, let's let's do the behind the mask cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. Or just the the the, the slasher verse. No, uh, I would love another it's, Leslie Vernon movie. Give me yeah, another and, one know, tomorrow, and I'd be happy. <laughs> You know, and the Leslie Vernon movie, that movie is actually set in a world where all these right. characters exist. And why can't we just have a, a movie franchise that's just with all these characters? Like, if you if you go to the south, you you uh, you meet uh, Letterface somewhere. If you go to Ohio, north, you, you, you meet Freddy. Yeah, yeah. And where was and Jason? Maybe, at? New maybe Jersey. Run into yeah. Jason was in Jersey. At least they filmed it in Jersey. I don't know <laughs> if they ever. Um, but yeah, the Midwest has a lot of good ones. You got Freddy, you got Michael. Got a lot of good ones yeah. in the Midwest. Uh, so yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's make a, a slasher movie universe. Why not? Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, because wasn't there a... I think it was you that was telling me that the the guy who played Herschel in The Walking Dead was could possibly have been Billy from, yeah, exactly. yeah, from that's Black the Christmas. Theory, yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like the that. Leslie Vernon Cinematic Universe, the LVCU. <laughs> the LVCU. That's, I like it. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. Yes, the LVCU. <laughs> so that's it um for a nightmare on Elm Street. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of great movies in this franchise. There's so much fun to be had. And I don't Yeah, even if they if they're not great movies, they're so much fun to be yeah. had. Works much better, I think. You can watch them all in a row and just have like just have them on in the background and Turn over and you'll see another funny kill. Another hilarious kill. There's so many yeah. good ones. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's it. Next week we'll be back to the Twilight Zone. So if you are following along there, the episode A World of Difference is the one that you need to pay it. I think it's A World of Difference. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so too. I'm, I'm never sure with the episode titles because for me they always show the German title as well. So I just uh, am completely taken off guard. 
But let me see. So Let's at see least the one I watched it. because we watched them already. Uh, yeah, a world of difference. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good episode. And also, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit next week. But you had recommended a movie to me that I had been. It's been in my queue on Shutter for a few weeks now. After you sent me the message, I was like, okay, I got to really hurry up and get on this thing. Uh, we both watched One Cut of the Dead, which I think maybe we can build a topic around that because there's a lot Let, of. Let's do let's do Asian recent Asian horror movies. Like so, in the last two or three years, there were a lot of good Asian horror movies, like Train to Busan. Uh, Train to the Busan Wailing, is awesome. Uh, this one, yeah, okay. I, I think we we can we'll find figure something. it out. We'll and, figure it out. And if you, maybe you got a, if anybody listening has a topic they want to recommend, uh, ihohpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Send us a message. You can do it there. You can do it on all the social medias. We're available at IHOH Podcast. And as always, if you would jump onto Apple Podcasts, leave a rate and review, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, those mean the world to us. So for the International House of Horrors Podcast, I've been Joe Merle. And I've been Josh. And we'll be back next week with more things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre. <laughs>